It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 31st, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Going to do a little bit of house cleaning here, do some quick things here to end the week. We'll recap game one of the NBA Finals as the Toronto Raptors take a 1-0 series lead over the Golden State Warriors. And then we'll talk a little bit about the draft and kind of the issues that are underlying how the Magic are, are going to approach this draft and, and, and some of the, I guess, decisions they have to make as we begin to think about the, the NBA draft. Things have been pretty quiet on the Magic's front. They, they don't like to put a lot of information out there on what they're doing, who they're looking at, or whatnot. But... They are going through the process. I can certainly confirm that. Uh, and, of course, they're, they're reviewing their candidates for the 16th pick, and I'm sure doing a lot of other things included with that. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering your Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you find here on Locked On Magic. Want to get the lowdown on the Toronto Raptors and Golden State Warriors? You check out Locked On Raptors as well as Locked On Warriors. They have the on-the-ground team-based coverage that you know and love from the Locked On Podcast Network to get you ready for the NBA Finals. Game 2, of course, is on Sunday. Want the national perspective? Locked On NBA is your place to go. And there's a Locked On Podcast for every need because not only is the NBA covered on the Locked On Podcast Network, but also baseball, the NFL, and colleges too. You can find all these podcasts by searching for them on iTunes or on the Himalaya app. On the Himalaya app, you can get podcasts not only downloaded directly to your listening device, but you can also get personally curated playlists made just for you by their expert podcast tastemakers. They have theme collections that select the best podcasts in several different categories, including sports or mystery or crime or TV. There's a podcast for everyone. Trust me, I listen to too many Himalaya does help me organize them a little bit. A little bit. Also helps me discover new podcasts to follow. Be sure to follow Locked On Magic on the Himalaya app today. Download it wherever you download apps. Himalaya is the home of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is also brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The first thing that, that struck me about game one of the NBA Finals 
that the first thing that really struck me about this game was how charged up the crowd in Toronto was. T- Toronto's crowds are, are fantastic. Even in the regular season, they're, they're fantastic. And they brought it all postseason long. I mean, the fact that the Magic won a game there and won game one was really, really impressive. I don't think Toronto's... I can't... I mean, I'm sure... I think Toronto has lost at home since. But they haven't... If, if they did, Philadelphia may have gotten them once. It's really difficult to win there. And, you know, a team playing its first finals. And, and, I, and I remember when the Magic played their first finals and, and how exciting that was. And, and even in 2009, getting back to the finals after a long, long absence. You can feel that energy. The, the crowd, like the team, takes it up a notch. And like even in the pregame and in how the broadcast was talking about it, you could really feel that this was going to be a special night, that this was going to be a very energetic night, and Toronto was going to be able to ride a lot of that emotion throughout the game. It's not easy to play Golden State. And, and I, I always still kind of joke, even when Golden State is trailing and struggling, I still kind of joke, Golden State's still probably going to win this game. I think they were down 10 with like four minutes to go, and I'm like, and I'm still thinking to myself, Golden State's probably still going to win this, right? I mean, the, 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 the Warriors are that talented that you just expect them to erase any deficit whenever they feel like it. But you got to give the Raptors a lot of credit in this one. They found their way. They found their way to, to get a victory and, and, and get the win that, that obviously they needed. They need, I, and I agreed with Chauncey Billups on this point. The Raptors needed to win game one. Set the tone for the series. Prove that A, they can beat Golden State. But more importantly, more importantly, they needed to prove, they needed to, to do it to, to keep themselves in the series, force it back to Toronto. Because, you know, you let Golden State get confident and they're going to beat you. Golden State should not be in any panic mode after this. A 118-109 loss, by the way. The Raptors up 1-0 in the series now. They should not be panicked. I didn't think they did anything particularly bad in this game. But what was very, also, what was very clear was that the, the layoff, a, a nine-day layoff, hurt the Warriors a little bit. It... You could tell they were just a little bit off. Their timing wasn't down. They were rusty. And no matter how much you practice and, and try to get those reps in, nothing's going to simulate playing in that atmosphere, certainly in that atmosphere in Toronto. If this game were in Oakland, it, it probably would have been a different story. A Golden State probably wins the game because they can kind of ease themselves into it. They, they can pick up that energy. They weren't picking up that energy in this game. Toronto was going to really take it to them. And so Golden State had to get their timing back. And, and so many other factors, I think, were, were at play in this one. I mean, you're not going to see many games where Golden State makes just 43.6% of their shots, makes only 12 three-pointers. With Klay Thompson and Stephen Curry making seven of them. Just not going to see many games like that. And one of the big keys for me in this series for Toronto was forcing turnovers. Toronto got 16 turnovers, including six turnovers from Draymond Green. Credit to Toronto's defense. Kawhi Leonard, I think, was on Draymond Green, and the idea is 
Draymond Green is the big facilitator on the team. Disrupt him, and you disrupt the offense. It is a, it is a right move for Nick Nurse to make. And Green struggled. The timing was off. Everything was just off for this team. And Toronto was able to take advantage. Toronto scores 17 points off those 16 turnovers. We won't say they had the same 17 points off Toronto's 10 turnovers. So you see how small that margin for error is. But Toronto was able to take more advantage of it. And they, they, they found matchup advantages in various places. And they got big contributions from guys that they will absolutely need big contributions from. I don't always agree with Shaquille O'Neal on a lot of things, but I do agree with him on this. In the playoffs, it is about what the quote-unquote the others do, your role players do. What are you going to get special from someone you, you don't expect? Because essentially, these defenses are lined up to, to stop the stars, to contain the stars, and force these guys to beat you. So when Marc Gasol scores 20 points on 6-for-10 shooting, when Danny Green gets 11 points and three three-pointers, when Fred Van Vliet comes off the bench to score 15 points, and Fred Van Vliet was, to me, the reason that the Raptors won Game 6, or got to the point where Kawhi Leonard could win Game 6. Doing all these things put the Warriors in a little bit of a bind. They weren't able to make that comeback, to, to reach down into that well and, and take this game away. And Toronto's going to need to do that again and again. Now, Kawhi Leonard's not going to have the kind of game that he had. 23 points, 5 for 14 shooting, 10 for 12 from beyond the arc. He's going to play much more efficient. Pascal Siakam is not going to have the kind of game that he had. 32 points, 14 for 17 shooting, 2 for 3 from beyond the arc. 8 rebounds, 5 assists. That's the kind of game that he had against the Magic that he hasn't really had since. And honestly... Pascal Siakam, to me, is why the Raptors destroyed the Magic. I think the Magic could have pushed him to six games pretty easily, and it would have been a much more competitive series, except Siakam just figured something out against Isaac and had a, a sensational series playing games exactly like this one. If the Raptors get games like this from Pascal Siakam, they're going to have a real chance to win this series. But again, that's the question mark here. That's the question we have is, can Siakam do it again? Golden State struggled offensively. 34 points from Steph Curry, but 8 for 18 shooting. 14 for 14 from the line. Golden State got the line 31 times. Klay Thompson with 21 points on 8 for 17 shooting. They really didn't get much scoring from anyone else. And honestly, that's looking to be one of the weaknesses of this Golden State team. Is Their offense can is, is still devastating. They're still really, really good. But this is probably the best defense they played all postseason. This Toronto defense is legit. They've got length. They can disrupt you. They're going to hurt m movement and motion. And it's looking more and more like a guy like Kevin Durant who can create his own shot and beat a good defender like Kawhi Leonard or force Kawhi Leonard onto him and off Draymond Green so they can get some more of that motion and get that passing going. That's looking to be pretty vital. Like I said, if I'm Golden State, I'm not panicking after this loss. The series is still up for grabs, and, 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 it's, and it's by no means close to over. I think Golden State played a poor game and trailed by eight or nine points for a good chunk of the fourth quarter, but there's always that lingering sense that they could break free at any moment and come back and win the game. And, and that's how this series is going to play out. 
Golden State will never be out of it. And so, we're really just starting here. Game two is going to be really interesting because I think game two will set how the rest of this series goes. Toronto struck first. They, they caught a rusty, uh, kind of a rusty Golden State team that didn't have their timing back. Now you get two days to practice and prep. If Golden State comes out with their timing back, with, with kind of the, the rhythm that they had in that Western Conference final series, then we'll get a real look at whether Toronto can slow this team down. And that's going to be like that's going to be the most interesting part of Game Two. Game Two, of course, Sunday at eight o'clock, eight o'clock on ABC. We'll talk about that game Monday here on Locked On Magic as well as as the NBA Finals get our special attention outside of the Orlando Magic. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we get to the draft, I want to tell you about a great product that that you should draft. Untuck It is one of our proud sponsors here on Locked On Magic um, and, and is a, a perfect gift for Father's Day or, or really any occasion for really anyone in your life. These shirts are perfectly tailored to be worn untucked. They're, they're button-down shirts, so they feel like nice shirts, but they're casual and comfortable, and they can be really worn anywhere. Their versatility is, is honestly one of their best traits. Um, I wear I wear them to work. I wear them to the, to the bar. I wear them wherever. Untucked shirts are, again, specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. There's no tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, enter the promo code NBA to get 20% off today. Remember, that's untuckit.com, enter the promo code NBA for 20%. The Orlando Magic have been pretty quiet on the NBA draft front, and that's kind of how they've always operated. They don't really let their business known about who they're working out and, and who they're looking at and, and all that stuff. Um, they, they are working out players. I, I have I have heard of who they're of some of the players they're working out, and, and they are beginning to come into the Amway Center. Um, of course, over the last few weeks, agencies have held their own private workouts in front of teams. Um, uh, not individual teams, but in front of groups of teams instead of, so that they can control the atmosphere. That's becoming more of a trend where the agencies will showcase their players at one location to all the teams rather than go to each individual city. And honestly, you know, while I, I think there's the, the job interview aspect is probably the most important part of the workout process uh, in, in the stage of the draft, um, I think that, that the workout part at the agencies it's probably better for their bodies. I mean, I think I've heard a lot of players who do get hurt because they have to travel so much uh, and and play at a high level and impress people uh, in these settings. So I think I think that, you know, even though this is a more control agent controlled setting, you know, I I think that it does benefit the prospects in the long run. But you know, Tyler Hero uh, had had his big workout um, in front of players. Uh, there, there are several other players as well um, who have done workouts in front of big groups with their agents. 
the Magic, of course, are going to do their work. They're going to do their homework on these guys. They're going to bring the ones that they're interested in, that they can get in. They're going to talk to other guys that I'm sure they're interested in as well. They're not going to just kind of sit on their th- on their hands. And remember, just and remember, just like everything else, just because nothing is being reported doesn't mean nothing is being done. Plenty is being done. In fact, you know, I I, I know for a fact that that players are at the Amway Center getting workouts and getting evaluated by the Magic. So don't think that the Magic are sitting on their hands. But the Magic are in a different position this year. And I'm already beginning to see this debate begin to to, to form among fans. And so I want to kind of bring this debate out at least into the open here on this platform and discuss, I guess, kind of... It's kind of set the table for what decision-making the Magic are going to have in front of them. And I I think that's important to do. The Orlando Magic have, for the most part for the last six years, drafted at the top of the draft. And at that point, it is extremely easy to say, take the best player available, shoot for the stars. If the guy can't fulfill all your wildest expectations, he should still be a pretty good player. The top of the draft is for the most talented guys. It's for the guys that you expect to be superstars. You expect to be starring players. And those guys, you know, there are plenty of us. Mario Azonia was one of them. But those guys, even if they aren't the all-stars or superstars you think they can be, tend to at least be decent role players. I mean, say what you want about Aaron Gordon and, and his track to stardom, but... The guy is clearly an NBA player and clearly an NBA starter in this league. When you get into the teens and the late lottery and and where the Magic are picking at 16, the equation changes. All of a sudden, you're not picking home run guys. You know, you can find them for sure, but you're picking players that that do have flaws, that, that, you know, have limitations of some sort. And you have to balance something new as you're assessing and evaluating these players. You have to determine if you're picking a guy based on what your team needs in the moment immediately, or are you picking a guy that that you're taking a chance on, that that you think can turn into something else if, if you're willing to be a little bit patient. And the odds of that hitting are much lower, as, as, as plenty of people will remind me, the higher you pick in the draft, the more options you have. That doesn't mean the options that you do have are bad. And what I think is really interesting about this year's draft class is there's a lot of players that fit these two modes. You know, a lot of Magic fans seem to be falling into two camps already. The camp that says draft a Romeo Langford, a, a Nasir Little, a Kevin Porter Jr. And the camp that says draft a safe player like a Nikel Alexander-Walker or Tyler Hero with, with defined skills and uh, you know a, def- a guy who can play a defined role but probably isn't going to do much more than that. Uh, they're rookies. They'll get better, but you're not drafting those guys to, design, to, to be designed elsewhere. And then, of course, you have kind of the, the bigger risks or perhaps bigger risks, but the guys who are interesting players that maybe haven't proven as much but could develop into either stars or role players and like... Casey Opala from Stanford, or uh, or uh, blanking blanking on the name now, uh, had it. Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, I may have butchered that last part. 
last part of Iowa State. Like I said, at six, even at 16, there are some really interesting players available to the Orlando Magic, and they're going to get one of these guys. And honestly, I can sit here and say I am comfortable with any of them. But, you know, my guy, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I'm not expecting him to ever be a star. Honestly, if he becomes a starter, I'd be pretty happy. I think he can play pretty solid defense. I think he can be a secondary ball handler. I think he can hit the three. And I'm pretty comfortable and safe saying that he can do those things pretty quickly. But he's not going to do much more. Whereas you have a guy like Romeo Lankford who has top 10 talent, has a, is able to get to the basket better than a lot of people, but his jumper is really, really poor. I can't describe it any other way. It's, it's really bad. And if he isn't able to do this, if, if you can't give him a role where he dominates the ball, what is he going to provide you? You can ask the same question of Nasir Little, same question of Kevin Porter Jr. If they don't have the ball, what are they going to give you? And so it's balancing, in my opinion, these two, these two factors, these two things. Balancing, finding the guy who's the best on your board, perhaps. And, and in the draft, I always say, take the best player available. Whoever is tops on your board, however you want to evaluate it, you should take them. Don't focus specifically on need all the time. Take the best player available. But when you're drafting at 16, you are you need to hit. Because cheap players, cheap talent is going to help your team get better. And I think you do need to hit on the draft pick. And specifically for the Magic, I think they absolutely need to hit on this draft pick. I think there's tremendous pressure to get something valuable out of this draft. Because we don't know what this team's going to look like July 1st, July 2nd, you know, July 15th, whatever. There's going to be a potential for a ton of major change. And as I detailed on yesterday's podcast, the Magic really don't have a lot of maneuverability to sign new players, to make a huge difference with their team. And with that being the case, any opportunity to add a cheap player, and the 16th pick will make about $2.5 million in his first year, the chance to add a player on that kind of rookie contract that could contribute even immediately. And I do think the Magic should try and find a guy that can play a role immediately on this team, especially if they lose a guy like Terrence Ross because I think they'll, they'll go wing in this draft. To find a guy that can, that can add something valuable to your team quickly is vital if the Magic want to keep their spot in the playoff line. And that adds a further complication to the question and a further factor to how they determine what to do with this draft. To be sure, I don't think these choices are easy. I think they have some good options, some intriguing options, but deciding whether to take a guy like a Romeo Langford over an Akel Alexander-Walker you have to have a lot of faith in your development program and the player himself and what he can do 
and then what he can add to the team pretty quickly because the Magic are in the business of winning. They they are a rebuilding team. I, I still think they're they're in a kind of rebuilding phase, but now they've tasted success. They can't really turn back. And so you do have to ask the question, what will this player do to help me win? Now, I'm not going to sit here and advocate that the Magic should cross a guy like Langford or Little or Porter or, or Apollo or whoever off their board. I'm not here to do that. I'm only here to say that this is a factor in the decision. And part of the complexity of drafting in these middle picks, something the Magic really haven't done in a very long time. Finding a rookie who can contribute pretty quickly, like Courtney Lee did in 2009, who can play a role and still grow and become something more, is the dream, especially at this stage. So the Magic have a big question to ask when, they, when their turn comes up in a couple weeks. Do we take the high-risk, high-reward guy that clearly has talent but may not be able to help our team today, if ever? Or do we take a safer guy with a more defined skill set that can fit a role that we can build for him immediately and he can grow into over time? The Magic have a month to answer these questions. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by Grip6. Ultra lightweight belts with no holes, no flap, and a great gift for anyone in the family. It is a versatile belt. I wear Grip6 belts. It is a versatile belt that you can wear with nice clothes to work. You can wear to the gym. You can wear, I don't know why you wear to the gym, but you, you could wear to the gym, I guess. Uh, you could wear it uh, at... Out, in, uh, out with casual clothing, pretty much anything, any type of clothing, any type of wear that you have, a Grip6 belt fits perfectly with it. Check out Grip6 belts today. They have a special offer for you too. Check it out at grip6.com slash lock. That's grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E. Check out Grip6 belts, the, perf- the perfect belt for any occasion. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, search or tune in, and find us and follow us on the Himalaya app. The Himalaya app, of course, the best place to download your favorite podcast, get podcasts specifically selected for you by Himalaya's podcast curators. That should be an official position if it is not already. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.